Markel Fultz. My name's uh, Zion Harmon. RJ Hampton. I'm Moses Brown. Nas Reed. We're here with Marvin Bagley III. Buzzer McCord on its way. Oh, oh, with oh, a shot clock. You right can't out. be serious. Are you serious? Is he for real? Hello there. You are now listening to The Appointment with Dr. J. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of The Appointment with your host, Dr. J. It's currently 10.42 a.m. as I'm filming this, February 20th, Tuesday. Um, you know, just finished up eating some breakfast, and I figured I'd record a podcast for you guys this morning. Um, we haven't really had a podcast in quite a while, so, you know, I have a bit of time. I'm, um, I'm back from home on reading week this week, so I figured it'd be a great time to get podcast started up again. Um, so yeah, that's exactly what we're going to do right now. Um, so this format um, that I came up with, the appointment, um, it's essentially based on the podcast that John Rothstein does. So what I'm going to try and do is keep this a really quick show, right? We're going to look at somewhere between, you know, 20, 30 minutes, you know, maybe a little bit more than that in this episode, um, because I feel like we have a lot to talk about. Um, but essentially, that's how the op- how the uh, how the episode is going to run down. We're going to talk about one main topic today. That's going to be the conference tournaments. Um, you know, we're going to go into depth um, about pretty much every team. You know, all the matchups. Um, we're going to look conference by conference at you know who the favorites are, who the sleepers are, who you should be looking out for, and uh, most importantly, who's going to win them. After we're done taking a look at the conference tournaments, um, we're going to move on a few quick uh, news and notes from around the league. Um, you know, just just get a little bit of an update about what's been going on in the past couple of days. Um, after that's done, we're going to touch on a couple of questions we have from the listeners. Um, and to close out the episode, we're going to look at a team of the week. So, uh, you know, I'm planning to keep this kind of format, you know, loosely into the future as well. Um, so we're going to end it off looking at uh, one team in particular, trying to break them down a little bit and just giving you a little bit more information about how they're looking heading into the season. So... With that being said, let's not waste any time. Let's start off this conference tournament preview with... The Atlantic Coast Conference. Kicking off today's show, we have the Atlantic Coast Conference, the ACC. Probably the best conference in the league, not going to lie. You know, really, really strong at the top, and there's a lot of really good teams from top to bottom. So this is bound to be a really, really strong tournament this season. And... uh, before we jump into the matchup specifically, um, let's just run through some of the favorites, sleepers, and players to watch in this year's ACC tournament. So starting off, um, we have some of the favorites. Um, obviously, Georgia Tech, you know, number one seed. Um, Boston College is the other number one seed in the ACC. Um, and joining them as favorites, I have Miami and Duke. Um, you know, just two of the best teams in the country. And, I mean, really all four of those are, you know, legitimate title contenders, you know, let alone ACC title contenders. So they have really strong chances heading into the tournament. Some of the sleepers in this year's ACC tournament, um, we're looking at Virginia Tech, Pitt, and Villanova. I think those are the three teams who are a bit underseeded, who have a chance to, you know, have a nice run in this year's tournament, I think. Um, They all have a lot of nice pieces, and, you know, based on matchups, I think they could advance further than a lot of people expect them to. And lastly, a few players to watch heading into the ACC tournament. Um, we have Brian Lyle, the former number one recruit from the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Jerry Butler of Villanova. Um, he's going to have to step up big in uh, the absence of Thomas Stewart, who is Villanova's point guard. They really don't have a lot of other good ball handlers or passers on the roster. So Jerry Butler, the graduate transfer from UCLA, um, look for him to step up big time for Villanova if they want to have a chance to advance far into this conference tournament. Um, another player to watch this year is the freshman sensation for the Duke Blue Devils, Matthew Saldana. Um, you know, Duke is a really balanced team, offensively at least, and you know, for them to defeat a team like Miami, assuming they would move on to play them in the second round, they're going to need a lot of scoring. Um, and, you know, Brandon Short, the point guard, is their leading scorer. But Matthew Saldana is probably the most skilled player, at least offensively, for the Duke Blue Devils. 
So if they want to have a chance to beat Miami and advance um, further in the conference tournament, they're going to need a big week from Matthew Saldana. Another player to watch, we have Nathan Silvers, the uh, senior guard forward for the Virginia Tech Hokies. Um, you know, Virginia Tech is, is a really interesting team. Uh, you know, they're really experienced, and they have some really strong players, but none of them are better than Nathan Silvers, and he's going to have to come up big time and put up some big stats if Virginia Tech wants to uh, secure a spot in the tournament. They're on the bubble right now. And lastly, for players to watch, uh, I have Rodolfo Chin and uh, Tyron Thatcher, both of the Miami Hurricanes. Um, once again, the reason I have these two players from Miami, um, as opposed to some of their maybe more impact players, is because I'm assuming Miami's going to move on to face Duke in the second round, and Duke's backcourt of uh, Saldana and Short is extremely good defensively. Um, so Rodolfo Chin and Tyron Thatcher being the primary ball handlers for Miami are really going to need to handle the ball well, um, keep the turnovers down if Miami wants a chance to move on. So with that being said, let's move on to the actual matchups in the ACC tournament. Starting off on the left side of the bracket, we have Boston College taking on Louisville, the 1-8 matchup. And, uh, I mean, this is really isn't going to be much of a contest. Louisville is absolute hot garbage. Um, so Boston College should take this one easily. Um, the 4-5 matchup, we have Villanova against Virginia Tech. Um, you know, in my opinion, this is probably the best matchup of the first round. Um, if Villanova was healthy in this game, um, I think they're the better team. I think they're better than uh, Virginia Tech, more options, you know, just a better team top to bottom. But they don't have Thomas Stewart, who's their starting point guard. And since Thomas Stewart has been out of, Virgi have, uh, has been out of Villanova's lineup, sorry, um, they've only gone 3-3 three and three to finish the season. So, you know, that's not a great sign, you know, heading into conference tournament. Obviously, as a four seed, you want to be heading in with better than a 500 record in your last six games. Um, so with that being said, I think that Nathan Silvers, um, the aforementioned Virginia Tech player, I don't think his career comes to an end tonight. I think he puts up a huge game in this one, and Virginia Tech advances to play Boston College in the next round. Moving on to the 3-6 matchup, we have Notre Dame against Pitt. Um, Pitt's played Notre Dame pretty well this season. They have two close losses, but just taking a look at Notre Dame's roster, they're way too talented at the top with guys like Brian Lyle. Um, they have McIntyre and Haar also. Some great players. So I think Notre Dame takes this one, but there is potential for Pitt to upset here. And lastly, with the 2-7 match, uh, matchup, rather, we have Virginia against Syracuse. Um, Syracuse is obviously one of the teams who's fallen off the most this season. Uh, Virginia actually whooped the Orange earlier this season, 123-58. to And, I mean, I don't think the score is going to get that out of hand tonight, but it should be an easy win for the Cavaliers. Moving on to the second round of the ACC tournament, uh, remaining on the left side of the bracket, the hypothetical matchup would have Boston College, the one seed, against Virginia Tech, the five seed. Um, I'm not going to lie, I'm really tempted to pick Virginia Tech here. They both score a lot of points, um, but Virginia Tech moves the ball better and is a better team from three. Um, obviously, Boston College relies heavily on their uh, interior players, so it makes sense that they're not a great three-point shooting team or really a team that moves the ball that much. Um, so that really leaves the door open for a team like Virginia Tech to get hot and win the game. You know, they have a player like Silvers who's capable of doing that. But the thing is, if Virginia Tech's shots aren't falling, they're not going to be able to penetrate and get easy looks at the rim against Boston College's big men. So for that reason, you know, I'm playing the odds here. I'm not going Virginia Tech. I'm, uh, I'm going to pick the safe choice with Boston College. But I don't think they're going to blow them out here. I think it'll be a relatively low-scoring game. And, you know, there is going to be room for Virginia Tech to win this. Moving on, we have Notre Dame against Virginia in the 2-3 uh, matchup. Both of these teams are pretty similar statistically. Um, I think Notre Dame is going to rely more on their top options, you know, the Lyles and McIntyres, those guys. Um, Whereas Virginia has a more balanced roster, and they have a lot of guys who can come at you, who can score, who can do a lot of things with the basketball. Notre Dame has already lost to Virginia once in double overtime this season, and their other loss to, to uh, Virginia came by one point. So this is going to be a pretty close matchup. But I think Notre Dame's experience, you know, they've been to the last three conference tournament finals, 
is really going to help them in this game against a Virginia team who really doesn't have much experience at all. You know, they have some older players, but they haven't won on the big stage. And that's where Notre Dame is really going to have the upper hand in this one. I think they're going to take it. You know, it's going to be a close game, but I'm, project- I'm, uh, I'm projecting Notre Dame to win this one. So that would set up a final of Boston College against Notre Dame on the left side of the bracket in the ACC. This is a rematch of last year's ACC quarterfinals, um, but, you know, more on the line this time. As for most matchups beyond the first round of the ACC, this is going to be another really, really strong matchup. I'd say Boston College is the clear favorite here, but Notre Dame is no slouch. Um, Four out of the five of Boston College's losses this season have came to teams that are in the top 20 in the league in three-point percentage. And where's Notre Dame rank, you're asking? They rank 18th in the league in three-point percentage. And they have taken down Boston College before. All the stars are aligning for Notre Dame to have a really good shot at taking down Boston College. And I think their, their, uh, their experience is going to be a big advantage to them in this one. I like them to advance to the fourth straight ACC final. And I think they're going to take down Boston College in a close one. Moving on to the right side of the bracket, we have number one seed Georgia Tech taking on Wake Forest. Uh, You know, there's not really much to say about this one, you know, other than Wake Forest is about to get their 31st loss of the season. Uh, They have no chance to win this game. In the 4-5 matchup, we have uh, Florida State against Clemson. I really think this one could go either way. Um... You know, Clemson has some really nice players at the top of their roster, um, notably Jarrell Meeks, who is a former five-star. But they've been way too inconsistent all season for me to feel comfortable picking them in this one. Um, Both teams split the season series, but I just think Florida State has a better team, you know, and they're a bit of a safer bet, so I'm going to go with Florida State here. In the 3-6 matchup, we have Duke against Carolina. Um, You know, I'm sure Storms are really looking forward to this one. Uh, Carolina's been a lot better than they have been the last couple of years, but I, you know, Duke is just way better than Carolina. It, it's not even close. They have so many weapons that you know they're at no risk of feeling vulnerable in this one. I'd say Duke takes this one pretty easily. Next up, we have Miami against NC State. Uh, it's not close. Miami's going to move on to play Duke in the second round. Okay, second round of the right side of the bracket, we have Georgia Tech against Florida State. Uh, you know, whenever Georgia Tech's bench is on par with Florida State starters, I think the outcome is to be expected. Um, Georgia Tech is going to move on easily to the ACC semifinal. And who will they play? They will play the winner of the Duke and Miami game, hypothetically. Um, Duke has lost both both games to Miami this year. Um, but the thing is, those losses have been by one point each. So these are two incredibly well-rounded teams. Um, They're pretty similar in terms of roster construct. They match up really well against each other. And based on their stat rankings league-wide, they're pretty close. They're they're both in, you know, probably the top 10 in the league in the majority of uh, major stat categories. But the thing is, Miami just ranks a little bit better than Duke in all these categories. And, you know, I think due largely to the fact that Miami has a lot of stars at the top of the roster in uh, Sabellos and Simmons, I think that they're going to be able to turn to those guys, you know, whereas Duke is a more balanced roster. Um, So I feel more comfortable picking Miami in this one just because their stars have pretty clearly defined roles. They know who their scorers are, whereas if you're looking at a team like Duke, you're not exactly sure who's going to show up game in and game out. So I like Miami in this one, and they're going to move on to play Georgia Tech in the final on the right side of the bracket. So once again, this is another exceptional matchup between Georgia Tech and Miami. Uh, Georgia Tech has beaten Miami twice already this year, but you know this one could really go either way. Uh, in one of Miami's losses to Georgia Tech, they shot six of twenty-six from three-point from uh, three-point land, and in the other game, they were without Trent Nash Jr. So you know Miami's a really strong three-point shooting team, so it, it's unlikely that they'll repeat that uh, six of twenty-six performance from three. Um, but on the other hand, Georgia Tech is one of the best defenses in the league. And although their opponent, opponent points per game ranks a little bit lower, I mean, I'm, they're still one of the best teams in that regard uh, league-wide, I think it would rank even higher if they had an easier schedule. I think Georgia Tech is ranked in the top 20, if I'm not mistaken, in strength of schedule. So, you know, their defense is, is really their bread and butter. 
and uh, it's basically going to be an off, uh, a matchup of defense versus offense in this one, and uh, I don't know. It, it's really a coin toss, but I'm going to roll with Miami on this one. I just think they're too good to perform poorly for a third straight game against Georgia Tech. Um, they should be healthy this time around, and they should be firing on all cylinders. Assuming they just came off a big win against Duke, um, I think the momentum will be in their favor, and I think they move on to play Notre Dame in the ACC final. So how does the ACC final shake out? Well, I think Miami is going to take this one pretty comfortably. Um, you know, if Notre Dame gets this far, which, you know, is a battle in itself, um, I don't think it's really fair to expect them to beat a team like Miami or even Duke or Georgia Tech for that matter. Um, Notre Dame did beat Miami to end the season, but Miami didn't have Ryan Simmons, the Butler transfer, um, who averages 17 points per game for them. So I think that, um, you know, with a healthy Miami team, there shouldn't be a problem beating Notre Dame. And as a result, my prediction to win the ACC tournament is Miami. Now, let's move on to the Midwest Conference. Next up, we have the Midwest Conference. And like the ACC, we're going to start off in a similar fashion. Um, we're going to look at the favorites, the sleepers, and some of the players to watch in this year's MWC Championship. Starting off with some of the favorites, obviously we have Memphis, who's last year's champion. Um, we have Oklahoma, who I think is one of the best teams in the country this year. We have Texas Tech, who is the one seed in the South Division of the bracket, which does feature Memphis, Oklahoma, TCU, and Texas. Texas Tech is a really, really strong team to look out for in the Midwest this season. And we have the champions from the North Division in the Midwest Conference, Marquette. Those are your four favorites in the Midwest Conference. Some of the sleepers in this year's tournament, we have Western Kentucky, Texas, and SMU. Um, while I don't think these teams are capable of winning the conference tournament, I think they're all teams who can upset in the first round and maybe even move on a little bit further than that. A few players to watch in the Midwest Conference tournament are Harry French of the Kansas State Wildcats. He's a high-scoring senior forward, um, you know, so... I always like to pick seniors in these positions as much as I can um, because I think they have a lot to play for. So I think this is no different here. He's in a 4-5 matchup against VCU. So obviously a guy like Harry French is going to want to play some big, big basketball in what could potentially be his last game of his career. Next up, we have Daniel Baltz, the junior point guard for West Virginia. He's going to have to step up big time in the absence of one of West Virginia's best scorers, Richard Williams. Another player to watch is Curtis Taylor, the freshman big man from Texas. Um, Texas is matched up against TCU, who relies heavily on the big men. So Texas really only has one, you know, impact big man on their roster, and that is Curtis Taylor. They're a really small team, so he's going to have to be huge if Texas is to knock off the Horned Frogs. Another player to watch in this year's tournament is Jonas Nichols of Memphis, and, you know, Memphis is a really balanced team, you know, we have a lot of options, um, but the reason I chose Jonas Nichols as a player to watch is because we're playing SMU in the first round, and, you know, SMU has a lot of really good big men, most notably Jeff Levy, who's a, a sophomore this year, and they've played us really close in both games this season, and we've come out on the upper hand in both games, but Jonas Nichols is is our big man, you know, he's, a, he's our best big, so he's going to have to be really big if we want to move past SMU. And if we do move past SMU, we will likely be playing Gerardo Watts and the Oklahoma Sooners, who was another player to watch in this year's Midwest Conference Tournament. Gerardo Watts is, you know, maybe the favorite for player of the year in the Midwest Conference. Not entirely sure. You know, there's a couple of good options up there. But Gerardo Watts has been excellent this year for Oklahoma. He's, you know, he might just be their best player in school history. So if Oklahoma wants to make some noise in the South, they're really going to have to rely on the play of their senior wing, Gerardo Watts. Now, let's jump into some of the matchups in the Midwest Conference. So, on the left side of the bracket, we have the number one seed, Marquette Golden Eagles, taking on Iowa State. Um, Iowa State is god-awful. So, if Marquette loses this game, uh, you know, it'll be a really, really big disappointment. Marquette's going to win this by a country mile. Uh, in the 4-5 matchup, we have Virginia Commonwealth, VCU against Kansas State. Um, VCU has a younger team, but they're also the more talented team. 
I'd really like to see Kansas State's, you know, senior core prevail of, uh, you know, Brown and French and Collins. But um, I think VCU is just the better team in this matchup. Um, and I think they're going to win it. They're going to move on to play Marquette. In the 3-6 matchup, we have West Virginia against Western Kentucky. And I really think this is a losable game for West Virginia. They're without Richard Williams, who's one of their better scorers. Um, you know, he's out for the whole conference tournament. And Western Kentucky played West Virginia pretty close this season. And they do have Jimmy McClure, who's one of the best scorers in the conference. Um, but with that being said, I'm going to go West Virginia here. I just think they're, they're a better team. Um, McClure you know, is probably going to have the game high in scoring, um, and he'll put up a fight, but I just think West Virginia is too good to lose this game, and it would be a, a pretty big disappointment if they do. And with the last matchup of the first round um, in the Midwest Conference North, we have Kansas against Wichita State. Um, yeah, Wichita State doesn't have a lot going for them anymore, um, so this should be a pretty easy win for Kansas. Moving on to the second round, of the Midwest Conference North bracket. We have the number one seed Marquette against the number four seed VCU. Marquette has by far the two best players on the floor in this game in Michael Jordan and Melvin Vasquez. Um, they have lost to VCU once this season, but in their other matchup, they beat them by 30. So I think you should feel pretty comfortable um, picking Marquette in this game. You know, it probably won't be as close as the first game, probably won't be a 30 point win. Um, somewhere in the middle is to be expected. And our next matchup is between West Virginia and Kansas. This is a really nice matchup, but as mentioned before, West Virginia doesn't have Richard Williams, um, so they're going to be at a disadvantage in this one. And I, I just don't think they have enough to compete with Kansas. Um, you know, I think Allen Knight, the senior, is going to put up a big game, and Kansas is going to win this one. It'll be relatively close, but I think the Jayhawks move on. And in the Midwest Conference North Final, it's going to be Marquette against Kansas, according to my predictions. Um, and I've got to roll with Marquette here. Um, you know, Jordan and Vasquez are just too much to handle. You know, they're both, uh, they both have PERs of over 30. Um, really good scores, really good distributors. They can do it all on the floor. And uh, if you're looking at a team comparison, Marquette... Um, has advantages over Kansas in pretty much every major statistical category except for rebounding. Um, and even that rebounding deficit is not enough to really get you worried or anything. I think Marquette advances to their first Midwest Conference title game since 2024. And with that, let's move to the right side of the bracket, the Midwest Conference South, where we have the number one seed Texas Tech uh, Red Raiders taking on the Baylor Bears and, you know, Baylor has had a rough season. Texas Tech has had a great season. Um, and that season is going to keep on rolling in this one. Um, Texas Tech has had some, has, has had some problems sorry, in uh, the Midwest Conference Tournament in previous years. Um, they won't have a problem in this one. They're going to move on to play the winner of TCU and Texas. Um, this is, in my opinion, the best first-round matchup in the Midwest Conference Tournament. Um, TCU heads into this game as the favorite but I'm going to roll with Texas here. Um, you know, Texas won both regular season matchups against TCU, and they have the best player in the game in Mercy Miller. Um, you know, they're two-time uh, national champions, four-time Midwest Conference champions. I just think they have too much experience, too much history to lose to a team like TCU. Moving on to the 3-6 matchup, we have a battle of Oklahoma. It is the Sooners against the Cowboys. Um, Oklahoma State has Michael Vinson on their team, who's quietly had a really, really great season in his junior year, but he's not enough on his own to compete with this Oklahoma Sooners team. They're way too skilled, and I think they might just be a top-five team in the country. They're going to breeze by Oklahoma State by a lot. And that brings us to the last matchup of the Midwest Conference South. We have Memphis against SMU. And this is a matchup I'm pretty worried about as the coach of Memphis because we don't particularly match up well with SMU. Um, they rely a lot on big men, and we rely a lot on guards and wings. Um, they played us pretty close in both games, and I think they're probably one of the better seven seeds out there, um, regardless of conference. Um, but with that being said, I think we're going to pull this win out. Um, I just think we have a pretty big gap in talent between the two teams. 
Um, so I think we'll win it by a decently comfortable margin. Moving on to the second round in the South, we have another battle of Texas. We have Texas Tech, the one seed, against Texas, the five seed. Um, I think Texas Tech is the better team by a decent margin here, and I like them to advance um, past the two-time champs, Longhorns. Uh, Texas Tech is moving on to the final in the Midwest Conference South, and they're going to play the winner of Oklahoma and Memphis. Um, you know, this is the, the Midwest Conference version of that Miami-Duke game um, that the ACC is uh, likely going to be uh, putting on. Um, this is probably the best matchup of the tournament, I would think, um, because these are the two best teams in the Midwest Conference. Um, the point differential in the two matchups that these guys had during the regular season is two points. Um, they split the games, but they were both really close. Um and I think I'm I'm gonna pick Oklahoma here. Um, I'd love to pick Memphis, obviously, because you know Memphis is my team. But I just think Gerardo Watts is is really gonna have a big game here. Uh, Memphis is a pretty inexperienced team, whereas this Oklahoma team has been together for a long time, and it seems like everything's just building up towards them going on a big run this season. So I, I like Oklahoma's chances in this one. I'm gonna pick them to move on to face Texas Tech, and in that South final, um, you know Texas Tech is the one seed in the side of the bracket, but I just think Oklahoma is is a significantly better team than they are, and I think they're going to win this one uh, pretty handily and move on to play Marquette in the Midwest Conference Championship game. Um, yeah, so in that championship game, I think that the Midwest Conference South, um, their strength is really going to shine through in comparison to the North. Um, Oklahoma presumably has just come off wins against Memphis and Texas Tech. Um, just two huge statement wins for Oklahoma. I don't think they're going to have a problem with a team like Marquette. Um, Marquette's obviously a really strong team, but the South is just so much better. Um, you're going to come out of the South so much more battle-tested than you are in the North. Um, and I think with Gerardo Watts and a really, really deep cast of players that they have for Oklahoma, I think they're going uh, to run by Marquette pretty easily. Um, yeah, so my Midwest Conference champions are the Oklahoma Sooners. Now, let's take a look at the Pacific Coast Conference. Next up, we have the PCC. Heading into the PCC tournament, I think some of the favorites are, you know, obviously the Oregon Ducks, last year's champions. Um, I think Cal has a really good crack at it, and I'd say my third favorite um, for the PCC is Colorado. They have some really nice experience at the top of the roster. And I think they've gone under the radar this year. Really, really strong team. Some of the sleepers in the PCC tournament include Utah, Hawaii, and Arizona State. Um, I think these are teams who are all capable of making some noise. Um, most of them are led by some really prolific players, um, whereas a team like Hawaii is just someone who's underperformed all season long. I think they're all capable of winning their first-round matchup. And... You know, they could make some noise in the rest of the tournament um, if they do actually win that matchup. Before we get started on the matchups, though, let's take a look at some of the players to watch in the PCC tournament. First of all, we have Vernon Jones um, from the Utah Utes. He's a, a senior big man who put up absolutely absurd numbers this season. He's a real one-man show, and, you know, he could single-handedly take down Creighton in that 4-5 uh, that matchup over on the left side of the bracket. Next up, we have uh, Gary Guevara of Hawaii. He's Hawaii's leading scorer. Um, I think if Hawaii wants to move on further into this tournament, they're going to need big performances from Guevara, and I think he's capable of doing so. Next up, we have Aaron Downer of Arizona. He's the Wildcats' leading scorer this season. And if they want to come out of the uh, the mountain region of the PCC bracket, he's going to need to have some big games for the Wildcats. Speaking of someone who needs to have big games, it is Ryan Nembard of USC. USC is without uh, two of their top players heading into the conference tournament. So the graduate transfer point guard from Canada and from Florida State is going to need to step up big time for USC, especially in their first round matchup against UCLA. And the last player to watch I have in this year's PCC tournament is Howard Ryu of Colorado State. Um, he's a wing, 
really, really great player, probably Colorado State's best player. Um, but the thing is, he's out for their first game of the tournament. So the reason I have him as a player to watch is it depends how he returns from his injury, how he recovers, and if he's able to step in seamlessly to the lineup and contribute right away. Obviously, if he is, Colorado State looks like a really strong contender in the PCC, um, but they do have some injury troubles, and we're really going to have to keep an eye on whether or not Ryu can contribute at the level he's used to. Now let's jump into some of the matchups for the PCC tournament, starting on the left side of the bracket. We have the, the number one seed Colorado Buffaloes against UNLV. Uh, nothing to see here. Colorado wins it. Um, the 4-5 matchup, we have Creighton versus Utah. Creighton is, you know, obviously down compared to where they have been. Um, they're not awful, but, uh, you know, they're going to have a tough time in this one, I think. Vernon Jones, um, as we mentioned before from Utah, is just way too good. I like their upset potential in this game, and I'm going to roll with Utah to knock off four-seed Creighton. In the 3-6 matchup, it's a battle of Arizona between the Wildcats and the Sun Devils. Um, Arizona State probably has um, the most impactful player on the floor in Byron Bergman, um, but all the other good players in this game, uh, unfortunately for Arizona State fans, do play for the Arizona Wildcats. Um, Arizona State did play them close earlier in the season, but they got blown out in the other game. Um, I'm feeling like there's going to be a blowout here too. Arizona takes it. And in the last matchup of the first round, um, in the mountain region of the bracket, I'm going, uh, I'm going to pick Colorado State to take down Gonzaga. Um, Gonzaga just really doesn't have much left at this point. Um, and even with the injury troubles for the Rams, they shouldn't have a problem getting by Gonzaga. Moving on to the second round, we have Colorado against Utah. Um, I think Vernon Jones is an exceptional player, but unfortunately his college career comes to an end here. Colorado is just way too good. Um, you know, they have that big three of Wilson, Britton, and Haynes at the top, and I'm feeling a, a comfortable 20-plus point win here for the Buffaloes. And assuming Colorado does win, they'll move on to play the winner of Arizona and Colorado State. Um, Colorado State should get Howard Ryu back in this game. Um, he's recovering from an injury um, in their first game, but they're really going to need him here against Arizona. Um, assuming he's back, I think they have a really, really good chance um, to win it. Um, Colorado State is a very experienced team. They have some guys who've been there for a couple years, whereas Arizona is, is a bit younger. They rely a lot on freshmen and some underclassmen players. So I think Colorado State... You know, while these teams are pretty evenly matched, I, I'm going to go with the experience here. And I think Colorado State moves on to play Colorado in the final of the left side of the bracket. Um, and unlike in years past, um, where Colorado State has always been the favorite, I really think Colorado is the favorite here. And, you know, I, I, I'm projecting they move on to play in the PCC final. Um, I just think they're too good at the top of their top of their roster um, with those three players I mentioned, um, Wilson, Britton, and Haynes. And, you know, Colorado State, while they do get Ryu back, they are missing uh, Yeldell, um, a big man off the bench. So they're not playing at full strength. Um, so I'm going to go with Colorado here to move on. And who will they play in the PCC final? Well, they'll play one of these eight teams. Um, playing in the coastal region. Um, start with the first matchup. It's Oregon against Washington. And I think Washington is probably a little bit better of a team than their, than their record suggests. But they're nowhere near as good as Oregon is. Um, Oregon is just way too talented to lose this game. They're going to move on to play the winner of USC versus UCLA. Um, you know, these two California schools, two LA schools split the season series. But the problem with this matchup is USC does not have Setzer or Moore, two of their more talented players for this one. And for that reason, I think UCLA is the favorite heading into this game. And I'm going to roll with UCLA here. Um, unless Ryan Nambard, um, you know, Marshall Richards, um, some of those guys for USC can step up big time, I think UCLA is going to win this one. You know, I think it'll be relatively close, but, you know, the Bruins move on. The 3-6 matchup is between the Stanford Cardinal and the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Uh, Stanford's had a really nice season this year. Um, they've been able to turn it around after Haziel departed. Um, and they're, all, they're already back up to a 3-seed in the PCC Coastal region. Um, 
But with that said, I think this ranking is due in large part to their overachievements throughout the year, um, whereas a team like Hawaii is really underachieved. Um, this is a really close matchup in terms of talent, but I think Hawaii is just a little bit better than Stanford is, and you know, when the time comes, I think they're going to be able to step up. Um, Guevara, as I mentioned earlier, I'm predicting he has a big game against Stanford to lead them to the second round of the PCC tournament where they will face off against the winner of Cal and Oregon State. Um, surprisingly, Oregon State actually knocked off Cal once already this season, but Cal actually blew them out again later in the year. So uh, I'm predicting Cal wins this one pretty easily. They're just much more talented than the Beavers are. Second round, we have Oregon against UCLA. Uh, once again, I think Oregon is just way too talented to lose this game. Um, they have guys coming off their bench who would be probably UCLA's best players, so I'm going to pick Oregon to win this one. In the other matchup, we have Hawaii against Cal. Um, you know, I haven't really picked a lot of upsets so far, so I'm going to pick one here. I think Hawaii's going to knock off Cal second round of the PCC tournament. Um, they lost a really close game to end the season. Um, they actually lost in overtime to Cal, um, and they ended off the season with a win against Colorado State. Talking about Hawaii here. And, you know, in this hypothetical uh, situation, they would have just been coming off a win against Stanford. They have a lot of momentum on their side, and I think Guevara is a great scorer who, who's capable of carrying them to victory over a Cal team who isn't as strong as they have been in recent years. Um, so for that reason, I think Hawaii's going to move on to play Oregon in the, uh, the PCC Coastal Final. But, uh, you know, Hawaii's magic. It's got to run out at some point, and... Uh, you know, no better team for it to run out against than the Oregon Ducks. They're just way too good. Uh, I just think they're way better than everybody else in the PCC Coastal. Um, it's not to say they're going to win, but I think they should be the favorites in every single matchup that they play. Um, yeah, Oregon's going to beat Hawaii. I, I don't think it'll be close. And as long as they do, they're going to move on to play Colorado in a battle of the one seeds, um, a pretty chalk draw in the PCC. Um, I really love this Colorado team. I think they're really, really well built. They have great players at the top. Um, and I think this will probably be the closest game that Oregon plays in the tournament. Um, but I do think they're going to pull off their second straight PCC championship. Um, they're just too good, Oregon. Um, Colorado puts up a great fight, but Oregon has the experience. Um, they play in big games every year, and both on paper and based on how they've performed so far this year. Oregon should be the favorites in this game. I think they're going to repeat as PCC champs and, you know, earn their one seed in the national tournament. So, yeah, my PCC champions are the Oregon Ducks. Next up, the Big North Conference. Okay, so before we begin our Big North Conference preview, um, let me just preface this by saying I've got to be somewhere pretty soon, so I'm going to rapid fire through this one in comparison to some of the other conferences. Um, my research is a little bit um, less, you know, probably accurate than some of the other conferences have been because um, I've kind of had to rush through this a little bit. Um, but with that said, we're going to jump right in with the same method as we have with other conferences by looking at some of the contenders, sleepers, and players to watch. Um, the contenders in the Big North, I think there's a lot. Um, we're going to start off with Michigan. We have Connecticut and Michigan State out of the Big Northeast. And then heading over to the Big Northwest, I think Northwestern and Wisconsin are the main contenders. Some of the sleepers in the Big North Conference, we have Purdue, Nebraska, and Ohio State. Um, they're all relatively lower seeds who I think could make some noise in this year's conference tournament. And some of the players to watch, we have William Stanley who's now the all-time NCBCA PER leader. He plays for Xavier. Um, he's going to be crucial if Xavier is to move past Penn State in the first round. Another player to watch, we have Douglas Brown from UConn, the big man. Um, assuming Connecticut can get past a few rounds in this tournament, they're going to have to play Michigan um, if they want to get to the final. And Michigan is going to be without Joshua Hollingshead. Um, he's injured for the conference tournament. So Douglas Brown, the big man for UConn, has an opportunity to step up big time for the Huskies. Another player to watch, we have Frank Janusak, the freshman sensation from Purdue. He needs to come up big if they are to move past Nebraska. Jerome Stiles from Indiana, if he has a big game, they're capable of going all the way in this tournament. And lastly, Johnny Gage, who's the third option for the Wisconsin, Wisconsin Badgers. 
Everyone knows Franklin White. Everyone knows Claude Hansen. If Wisconsin wants to win this tournament, they need a huge performance from Johnny Gage. Now, let's move on to the matchups in the first round. Starting in the East, we have Michigan Butler. Um, yeah, obviously Michigan's going to win that one. Um, the 4-5 matchup is interesting between Xavier and Penn State. Essentially, we have a battle of, you know, studs in uh, Penn State is rolling out Henry Phillips and Xavier has William Stanley. Um, this is really a toss-up, but I'm going to go with Penn State here. I think Henry Phillips is the better player and they'll. I think they're just going to come out on top in a really close game. The 3-6 matchup, Michigan State-Ohio State. Um, I think Ohio State at the top has more clearly defined roles. They have more options that they can turn to. Um, not necessarily more options, but I think those options... You know, I, I think Michigan State's almost too balanced. Like they have too much depth that they don't necessarily have a go-to score. Um, I think I think they're the better team, but I'm gonna roll with Ohio State here. Uh, maybe it's just my bias that I'm an Ohio State fan. I'm a little salty that Michigan State's gonna win the big uh, the Big Ten this season. But uh, no, I'm gonna roll with Ohio State here as an upset pick, uh, mainly because I don't think Michigan State's gonna move past Connecticut, even if they do move on. So yeah, I, I think that. I think it makes sense. I'm going to go Ohio State. Then the 2-7 matchup, we have UConn against Maryland. Um, you know, Maryland has some nice young pieces. Connecticut has way better experienced pieces. So that's an easy one. Huskies move on to play Ohio State. Second round, uh, Michigan-Penn State. Uh, Penn State's luck runs out. Michigan State moves on. And they move on to play UConn, who I think is going to take down Ohio State, you know, pretty easily, um, which sets up a matchup of two of the best teams in the country, Michigan versus UConn. Um, Michigan is presumably going to be without Joshua Hollingshead for this matchup. They still have plenty of weapons, but their next best big man is Tony Bryant, um, Jerry Bryant's cousin. Um, you know, he's he's only like the seventh or eighth guy off Michigan's bench, so I just don't necessarily know if they have enough depth on the interior. Um, you know, UConn is a relatively small team too, but they do have Douglas Brown off the bench, um, who's a really, really great big man. He's going to be able to score the ball at will against Michigan, assuming he gets minutes in that game. So for that reason, I'm going to pick Connecticut to upset Michigan in the Big Northeast and move on to the final. Who will the Huskies match up against? Well, plenty of worthy adversaries in the Big Northwest. Um, starting off in the 1-8 matchup, we have Northwestern. Um, who's had a magnificent season this year. They're taking on a pretty depleted Minnesota squad. Not much to see there. Northwestern moves on and chills. First ever Big North game with uh, Northwestern in the conference tournament. 4-5 matchup is interesting. Nebraska-Purdue, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a battle of Zand versus Kobe. Um, two great coaches. Um, I'm going to roll with Purdue here. I think Frank Janusek can single-handedly carry this team to victory, um, and I think he's going to do that against Nebraska. 3-6 matchup, Indiana-Illinois. Um, yeah, Indiana's going to take this one, I think. As long as Jerome Stiles plays well, they just have the better team, um, a lot more skilled. They should win it pretty easily. 2-7, uh, Wisconsin-Iowa. Wisconsin is going to blow Iowa out of the water. Uh, that's an easy one. Wisconsin moves on to play Indiana. Second round, at the top of the bracket, we have Northwestern against Purdue. Um, you know, Northwestern is, is just a really, really strong team. They have a lot of good options all throughout the roster. I think they're too much for Purdue to handle. Purdue is basically just a one-man show. So uh, I'm going to roll with Northwestern here to move on to the uh, Big North semifinal. And I think they're going to match up against Wisconsin in that game. I think Wisconsin is, is too good for Indiana. Indiana can put up a fight if they play well. Um, but Wisconsin has, has too many options. I, I think Franklin White, Claude Hansen, and uh, if Johnny Gage, like I mentioned, is playing well, it, it's really tough to stop this team. And uh, another team I think who's going to have a problem stopping Wisconsin is Northwestern. Um, I think they're both really, really good teams. Either one is capable of making the final, obviously. They've had great seasons, but I'm going to pick Wisconsin to beat Northwestern here. Um, I just really like that three-headed attack that Wisconsin has. Um, I think they're, they know what they are. Um, guys like Franklin White and Claude Hansen are going to put up killer stats regardless of the opponent, 
And as long as I said, like, as long as I was saying, like, if Johnny Gage plays well as a third option for the Wisconsin team, um, they're really tough to beat. So I'm going to roll, I'm going to roll the dice here and pick Wisconsin to move on to play UConn in the Big North final. Um, and in that title game, I, I'm, I'm going to roll with Wisconsin here too. Um, I just feel like there's something special about this Wisconsin team. Um, they have really, really good leadership, just a lot of skilled players. Um, not necessarily as many skilled players as a team like Con uh, like uh, Connecticut has, but I just feel like if they get it rolling, fresh off a of win against Northwestern, they're going to move past Connecticut. I think Connecticut is, is a team who's probably, you know, they're going for the national title this year. I don't think conference title means as much. Um, they're probably a bigger threat on the national level than Wisconsin is. Um, and for that reason, I think this win would mean more to Wisconsin. So I'm going to roll with them. I think Hanson and White are just too much to handle. And as I mentioned earlier, UConn doesn't have a whole lot on the interior. Like, they're not even starting, you know, a really effective big man. Um so yeah, Franklin White's going to eat it in that game, and uh, Wisconsin is going to be the Big North champions. So, yep, your Big North champions are going to be the Wisconsin Badgers. Now time for the worst conference in the league, the Southeastern Conference. Last and certainly least, let's take a look at the SEC Tournament. Um, like the other conferences before, we're going to start off with some contenders, some sleepers, and some players to watch in this year's tournament. Starting off with the contenders, we have Kentucky, Georgetown, Texas A&M, and Arkansas, the one and two seeds in both the SEC East and the West. Um, I don't really see any other team being capable of winning this tournament other than those four, so those are the four contenders. A few sleepers in the SEC tournament are Florida, Auburn, and Mississippi State. Um, I think the real one you have to look out for here is Florida. Um, they have two really good players at the top in James Delgado and William Diedrich. Um, and I think they are capable of knocking off Kentucky in the second round of this tournament in the 1-4 matchup. A few players to watch in this year's tournament. Um, we're going to start off with a duo from Arkansas. We have uh, Clinton Wilson and Tommy Reddick. Um, the Arkansas's two leading scorers. Reddick comes off the bench, though, while Wilson carries a starting unit. For Arkansas to advance to the final, they're going to need huge performances from both of these players against Texas A&M, and quite frankly, I think they're capable of doing so. Another player to watch in this year's SEC tournament is the aforementioned William Diedrich of Florida. He's a great big man, and I think he can take advantage of Kentucky's lack of a great big man um, I guess in that 1-4 matchup if they do move on past Auburn to potentially take down the number one Kentucky another player to watch is Mississippi State's uh, Cronin um, Mississippi State is without Kirby who's probably their best player so you know Cronin has an opportunity to step up big time for Mississippi State and knock off Missouri in the first round and the last player to watch in this year's SEC tournament is Raimundo Collier for the Georgetown Hoyas. Um, Georgetown has a legitimate chance to win this year's tournament. And a guy like Raimundo Collier is presumably going to be matched up against Kamari Lands if the two teams should meet in the SEC East final. So he's going to need to come up big time on defense uh, while maintaining some steady contributions on the offensive end. Now let's take a look at the bracket. We're going to start off in the SEC East, where we have Kentucky against South Carolina in the first round. And, uh, you know, I know Kentucky has their woes in the conference tournament, but uh, they're not going to have a problem with South Carolina. Kentucky moves on. The 4-5 matchup, Florida-Auburn. Auburn does have a shot at this one. They do have some really nice players uh, moving forward. But Florida is just too good at the top with Diedrich and Delgado. Uh, my pick is Florida moves on pretty easily past Auburn. The 3-6 matchup, we have Georgia against Cincinnati. I think Georgia's done a nice job in picking up some players these past few seasons. Um, it's earned them a three seed throughout the regular season, and I think it'll also earn them a berth in the second round of the SEC tournament, where they will face off against the number two seed Georgetown Hoyas, who I predict to beat the seven seed Tennessee Volunteers. Georgetown is way too good uh, for Tennessee to even stand a chance, um, so they're going to move on and play uh, Georgia in the second round. 
Back to the top of the bracket, uh, we're going to have the 1-4 matchup of Kentucky-Florida. And while I really, really like Florida in this matchup, um, you know, I would love to pick them, honestly. But I just think Kentucky's too good. I don't think they have an answer to Kamari Lands on the wing. And for that reason, I'm going to roll with Kentucky to advance to the SEC East final, where I think they will take on the Georgetown Hoyas, who I project will move past the Georgia Bulldogs in the 2-3 matchup. Georgetown just has way too much uh, firepower for a team like Georgia. They have Aiden Meeks, uh, they have Raimondo Collier, they have Milton Hall, um, and they have some other really nice pieces as well. So I think Georgetown is going to blow by Georgia and move on to play Kentucky in the SEC East final, where I'm going to pick Kentucky here. Um, I was really tempted to go with Georgetown once again, just like I was with Florida, but I I really like Kamari Lands. I think Kentucky has enough to beat Georgetown, and I don't know. I think this is the year they finally get over the hump, the hump in the SEC. Um, so yeah, I'm going to roll with Kentucky for my SEC East champion. Who will Kentucky play in the SEC final? Well, they might be playing Texas A&M, who are obviously going to sweep by Louisiana State, LSU, in the first round um, in the 1-8 matchup. The 4-5 matchup is between Missouri and Mississippi State. Well, I do think Mississippi State is capable of putting up a nice fight here. Missouri still has some remains from whenever Walter was coaching there, um, and I think that'll be enough to, to scrap by Mississippi State. Um, the 3-6 matchup, we have Vanderbilt against Ole Miss. Um, shouldn't be much of a contest here. Vanderbilt moves on. Um, and 2-7, same thing. Arkansas just has too much firepower um, for this Alabama team. Um, they're going to move on to play Vanderbilt in the next round. Next up, we have the 1-4 matchup, which is Texas A&M against Missouri. Uh, you know, Texas A&M hasn't been really battle-tested this year, and I don't think Missouri is the team who's really going to test them. I think Texas A&M is going to move on you know, pretty easily past Missouri here, and I think they're going to play Arkansas in the SEC West Final. I really, really like Wilson and Reddick, and if my memory is correct, um, Clinton Wilson has had some incredible performances in the past in the SEC tournament, um, so I would bank on him having another great, great year. Um, you know, in the tournament this year, I think they're they're going to get by Vanderbilt pretty nicely and set up a date with Texas A&M in the final, where I actually think they're going to move on. I, I'm projecting Arkansas to beat Texas A&M, Texas A&M's second loss of the season in the SEC West final. Uh, I, I think Arkansas is the better team here. Um, Texas A&M has had an incredible season, but they haven't played anyone, and I don't think they're going to be tested with, S, with uh, LSU or Missouri. Um, whereas I think Arkansas is going to come in better prepared, having just beaten Vanderbilt, and I think they're they're just the better team. I, I really like Arkansas and their their roster construction, and I see them moving on to face Kentucky in the SEC final. In that final, though, um, I think it's going to be a close one. To be honest, um, these are two pretty pretty nice teams, but. Like I said earlier, I think this is the year Kentucky Kentucky finally gets over the hump in the SEC. I think they're going to take down Arkansas in the final. Um, Kamari Lands is just too good. He he's he's a likely player of the year candidate. Um, so with that said, I think your SEC champions for the twenty twenty seven season are the Kentucky Wildcats. Let's catch up on some news and notes from around the league. Here are five quick nuggets from the NCBCA sphere. It's time for a few quick nuggets from around the NCBCA. Starting off, um, the Midwest Conference had their Hall of Fame inductees last night, where Texas's Mark Allen, Memphis's R.J. Barrett, TCU and Texas's Bobby Perryman, and Kansas State's Jack Quintana joined the inaugural class of 20, inducted in 2025, in the Midwest Conference Hall of Fame. Over the past day or two, the NCBC has been participating in some Hunger Games-style um, events hosted by Jake, Wisconsin's coach. Um, Syracuse has a new coach. Hosenek is back and ready to go. Um, he's ready to lead the Syracuse Orange back to the promised land, um, and I'm sure none of us are looking forward to recruiting against him this season. Um, another nugget. Coach Alec Rivard has been inducted into the NCBCA Hall of Fame um, last night 
Alec joined us for uh, a nice ceremony hosted by uh, the interim commissioner, Kyle, um, to uh, receive his induction into the League's Hall of Fame. And the last nugget around the NCBCA is uh, I'd like to give a congratulations to the NBL champion New York Knicks who uh, defeated the Dallas Mavericks in the 2027 NBL championship. Um, congrats to uh, O'Neal Kazchik. Um Not too sure how to pronounce the last name there, but uh, yeah, congrats to the Knicks. Um, well-deserved championship. Um, and if, if, if I, I'd like to throw in one last uh, note um, before we leave, if you guys haven't, go check out uh, uh, Kay Miller's Bubble Watch piece that he dropped last night. You can find that in news. Um, it's a really nice piece, um, good write-up, so go check that out. Let's answer some questions from the listeners. The first question we have today comes from Kyle, who wants me to take a look at an NBL mock draft. Um, I don't think we have time for the whole thing, so I'm just going to run through a top five quick. So these are my top five picks in the NBL draft. First overall, we have Brian Lyle from Notre Dame. Second overall, we have Henry Phillips, Penn State. Third overall, Kevin Back, Georgia Tech. Fourth overall, Anthony Hanks, Memphis. And fifth overall, Frank Janusek, Purdue. Zand wants to know some recruiting predictions. So once again, we're going to go with the top five here also. Um, so first up, we have number one overall, Fraga. Um, I think he... And, and listen, I'm on the judging panel and everything, so I don't want to like give any bias here. But these are just like based on values who the first team that came to mind was. Okay, So I'm going to go with Fraga, number one. I think he's a good fit for USC. Number two, Lopez. Um, I'm going to go California. Number three, Libby. Duke. Four, Fragoso. Um, that's a toss-up between Villanova and Penn State. And number five, Hanson. I think uh, he's Duke as well. You Had One Job wants to know about some Coach of the Year uh, nominees and some All-American uh, potential players. So what I've done is I've gone through each conference um, just pretty quickly and uh, – compiled the list of two players per conference who I think, uh, while they might not actually make the All-American teams, I think they are really strong candidates um, to to at least be nominees. So from the ACC, I have uh, Ryan Simmon from Miami and Kevin Back from Georgia Tech. From the Big North, I have Xavier Bowman from Michigan and I have Kirby Joplin from uh, Northwestern. From the SEC, I have Kamari Lands from Kentucky and uh, Alejandro Morgan from uh, Texas A&M. From the PCC, I have Francisco Britton from Colorado and Vernon Jones of Utah. And from the Midwest Conference, I have Michael Jordan of Marquette and Gerardo Watts from Oklahoma. Um, and as far as the Coach of the Year is concerned, um, I'm not going to reveal my pick uh, for the award at, at, at this moment in time. But a few nominees who I think uh, are going to garner a lot of attention are L. Random from Texas Tech, um, Timmy, Boston College, Tommy from Michigan, uh, Matt Moon at uh, Texas A&M, Jill, uh, Northwestern, uh, Jake at Wisconsin, and uh, X-Extra at uh, Virginia. A few of the surprise teams this year... Um, we're looking at Northwestern, Texas A&M, Virginia, Stanford, and Texas Tech. I'd say those are my, my, my five big surprise teams um, as far as their performance this year. A few high seeds who might be vulnerable in this year's tournament. I have Northwestern, Memphis, Duke, Wisconsin, Kentucky, Colorado, Colorado State, and California. Um, I think those are probably all going to be top four seeds in the tournament. Um, and I think they're all capable of falling, if not in the first round, um, in the Sweet 16 or something like that. And lastly, I'd like to touch on my my picks for the number one overall seed. Um, it, it's pretty hard to tell at this point without the conference tournaments having taken place. But I think, um, assuming Michigan and UConn play each other in the big, uh, the big North, the big North, East, I think, yeah, Big Northeast uh, final. I think the winner of that game is going to be a one seed. So Michigan or Connecticut. I think the winner of the ACC South, 
will be a one seed, whether that's Georgia Tech, Miami, or Duke. Um, I think whoever wins that is going to pick up some great wins along the way, and presumably they're going to win the ACC also. So I think the winner of the ACC South gets a one seed. Um, I also think the winner of the Midwest Conference South gets a one seed. So whether that's Texas Tech, Oklahoma, or Memphis, those are, are probably the three big names there. I think the winner of, the, of uh, the Midwest Conference South should get a one seed. And I think the last one seed is going to come down to Oregon and Kentucky. Um, now, I think if both of those teams win their conference tournaments, um, there's a good chance they could uh, bump out a team uh, like an ACC South. Like if, if Duke wins ACC South, I'm not sure if the resume is as good as either Oregon or Kentucky, so they could bump a team like Duke out, or I think Oregon or Kentucky could bump out any of the Midwest Conference winners. Um, but assuming they they like one of them falls in the conference tournament, I think uh, only one of those teams will get on the uh, the one seed line. Your team of the week for today's podcast is the Arizona Wildcats. Your team of the week for the, today's podcast is the Arizona Wildcats, as requested by Jay Venn. Um, so essentially how the team of the week is going to work is I'm going to take a, a bit of a more in-depth uh, analysis of uh, one team per episode, um, kind of break down their players, um, you know, what I project them to lose, how I project like uh, losing the offseason, rather, um, and how I project them to perform in the national tournament and the conference tournament. So without further ado, let's get started with Arizona. So taking a look at Arizona's roster, the one thing that really stands out, um, especially in their starting rotation, is their lack of a big man. Um, they're a really small team. Um, they have William Hodge at point guard, who's probably their best player. Um, he carries a lot of the load for them, uh, distributes the ball really well, um, and fits in really nicely alongside their, their two-guard, Arnold Downer, who's a senior. Um, he's also their leading scorer. He's scoring over 15 points per game um, pretty efficiently. Um, so that's a really dynamic backcourt that they have. Um, Arizona is also starting two small forwards as their big man, uh, as their big men, um, in Daniel Anders and John Diaz. Um, you know, neither are particularly great rebounders, although Diaz is averaging five per game. Um, and then to round out their starting five, they have Bob Coe who's a guard forward, a junior from Selma, California, who's a little bit of a, a do-it-all guy, a really nice glue guy, um, averages about 10 points per game, three and a half boards and three assists. So you're getting a little bit of everything out of a guy like Ko. Um, ultimately, I think this team is going to struggle against bigger opponents, um, mainly because they're not playing their, their big men, you know, a lot of minutes. Um and basically all their big men are coming off the bench too. Like your first two guys off the bench are Maynard Diaz and James Rhodes, um, who are, you know, obviously your two best big men. But I don't find they're getting a lot of minutes um, relative to a lot of their smaller players. So they're going to struggle against bigger opponents. Um, you know, that might not be a huge, huge problem, but you're bound to face off against some, some, some pretty big opponents in the national tournament. So I think that's an area where Arizona will struggle. Um, but the thing is, this is a really young team, so I don't think this year is necessarily the year that Arizona is going to try to win the national tournament or is really banking on winning it. I think this is more of a development year. They only really have two seniors in the rotation who they're losing next season in uh, Arnold Downer and Philip Cummo. Um, and then again, Cummo is only their ninth guy, um, just their, a low bench option kind of. Um, Downer is going to be a pretty big loss. Um, considering he's a big scorer for them. But, I mean, they have so many freshmen on this team. They have four freshmen who are, you know, like averaging almost 20 minutes per game. And then they have another one in Ralph Scott, who's at the end of the bench, um, getting about 12 a game. So this this team moving forward um, is going to be able to grow together. Um, I think they have a really nice core to build around moving forward. And with the return of William Hodge next year at point guard, um, I think Arizona's looking really, really strong. Um, I would advise that in recruiting, they target a big man if possible, um, maybe two. I know you still have James Rhodes and Maynard Diaz coming back who are big men off the bench um, and who should grow a little bit, but I'm not necessarily sure that those two are going to be able to carry the load. Um, depending on how many scholarship players Arizona has available next year, I would recommend going after at least one big man and at least one uh, scoring guard. 
uh, to replace the absence that uh, is going to be felt by Arnold Downer at the two. Um, I don't really see any of the other players on the roster um, scoring the ball particularly well, um, at least those that are returning. So I think if you could get another guard to pair with Hodge in the backcourt who can score the ball, and if you can get a good solid uh, center, maybe like a low five or high four, um, that fits the values well, that's going to be a huge piece, um, and it'll allow Arizona to compete um, probably on a pretty competitive level on the national scale next season, and will ensure that you'll still have a pretty stable core moving forward into the future. So I'd say the short-term outlook for a team like Arizona is, I mean, I don't think Arizona's a, a PCC contender even. Like, I i don't think they can win the conference this year. I think they can maybe make the final or something, but um, they're probably a year away from, like, competing in the PCC. And I would, I would say two years away from, like, being a national championship contender. But um, if they hit it big in recruiting this season, if they get good progression, I could easily see Arizona – you know, making a name for itself on the national stage as well. Um, but for the time being, I think they're kind of in like that second or third tier, like uh, as far as teams in the league, like they're not a blue bud. Um, I don't think they're an immediate contender, but I think they're in that kind of sweet spot between um, between contender and like a rebuilding team at this point, like a good rebuilding team. So uh, the future is bright in Arizona. Um, yeah, especially with William Hodge at the helm, um, a good young team. I'm looking forward to seeing what Arizona has in store in the future. And that just about wraps up uh, today's episode of The Appointment with Dr. J. Uh, I'd like to thank you guys all for tuning in to today's episode. Um, went a little bit over, uh, you know, the, in the intended uh, time slot, but, you know, that's okay. Uh, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck tonight in the conference tournaments. Um, should be fun. Looking forward to getting that underway. And, uh, yeah, take it easy. Uh, happy Tuesday. Have a great week. Uh, take care. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Never gonna run around and desert you. Never gonna make you cry. Never gonna say goodbye, never gonna tell a lie and hurt you.